Hello, I'm Carl Blanks, co-founder of Conversion Rate Experts. Welcome to our podcast again. Here at Conversion Rate Experts, we do just one thing. We make changes to our clients' websites, and then we put our necks on the line by insisting that they carry out scientific split tests to verify that we've significantly grown their business. We've applied our methodology to some of the web's most sophisticated companies, including Apple, Google, Sony, and Facebook. This podcast is a recording of one of our most popular talks, which is called How to Beat Most Professional Copywriters. In it, you'll discover the vital few most effective copywriting techniques with which you can beat most professional copywriters. And and even though that sounds a bit outrageously uh, impossible, it's not, because you've got to remember that most professional copywriters don't even split test their work. Uh, If that sounds crazy to you, then, then join the gang. Uh, I'll also talk you through a winning copywriting template that you can use to sell almost any product. And finally, I'll describe the five most important things you need to focus on when you're improving existing copy. The slides for this talk can be found via conversionrateexperts.com slash podcasts. And I hope you find it extremely useful. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Carl Blanks from Conversion Rate Experts. Today's webcast is about how to beat most professional copywriters and it's, uh, the vital few copywriting techniques we use to achieve the greatest impact on profits. So when you first find out about copywriting, what most people want to know is what are the words that sell? And uh, there's a book here, Words That Sell, which is a big list of words that are, you know, that, that, that are useful for copywriters, a thesaurus. But the book has its use, but that's not what copywriting is about. And if you buy the book, more words that sell, that's not that's not what it's about. It's phrases. No, it's not phrases that sell either. It's not tested sentences that sell. There's, there are actually two skills to copywriting, and they're not really about the words. Skill one is about becoming able to sell the product face to face. And skill two is being able to take that knowledge and turn it into writing. So the rest of my talk is going to be about mainly about these two steps. You know, step one, which I'm talking about now, becoming able to sell the product face to face. That's the first thing you need to be able to do. And here's why. It's because your robot salesperson, which is what your website is, your robot salesperson will be no better than its creator. In other words, if you can't sell the product face to face, if you couldn't sell it to someone, you know, in person, then you're you don't stand a chance of creating a page that will sell it because you don't know all the things that you need to say in order to sell. So there's no way that you can turn it, create a page that does it automatically for you. And here's a great example. Whatever it is, every client that we work on, one of the things that we always do is find someone, usually within the client's organization, often someone in, in customer support, someone who can sell the, uh, the product themselves. Now, this example, we were working uh, on a page for an electrical device and we went to a store where they sold them. And this girl was amazingly knowledgeable. She sold about five of them per week. And we said, well, how would you improve the page? So we showed the client's page and we said, how would you improve this page? And she said, oh, tell me about that page. She said, when we started selling these these electronic devices, we the first thing I used to do is people, the our prospects, the visitors to the store used to ask us questions and I used to look on their website for the answers and the website doesn't contain the answers. And she then listed out 
about, I think it was 22 different things that customers ask and customers need to know before they buy and none of which were on the actual client's website. And so can you see how like <laughs> the website didn't contain the information that a real person would need to sell these? And she knew what they were. And so she gave us, effectively what she gave us was a list of 22 uh, common objections and the counter objections that she had come up with that answered their questions and allowed her to sell the product. So that was ready-made copywriting gold. It wasn't, it didn't come from a book of magic words. It was, it's real, genuine things that a customer needs in order to take action. So that's the first step. The second step of the second part of learning to sell face-to-face -face is become the customer yourself. Again, whatever we sell, we insist that our consultants go and buy it themselves. We reimburse them for it. So between us, we've We've bought a whole load of like unusual things, clients' products. But uh, what we always do is start off on the web, research it. Don't just go to the client site, but also, you know, shop around like you would do in real life. Um, record yourself with Camtasia or if you're on a Mac, ScreenFlow. And so you have a record of, um, we often like to, to include our own faces on it because you can even see your own emotions at the times that you're getting frustrated. And you can also zoom back through this, you know, at a later date and watch the movie to remind yourself of what different sites looked like and what the information was and how the it's a very quick way of being able to work your way through different funnels. Um, if you have any questions, if you, you know, if you'd pick up the phone normally to call customer support, do that and use Skype so you have a record of that as well. So it's really useful for you to become because you need to to become the customer because you need to be able to understand the customer's views and what better way than actually becoming a customer and how crazy it is is it is it to think of selling something if you haven't been the customer yourself and then actually when you buy it use the product here's a photo of my co-founder ben and uh, on a weekend where we, we were working for a company that sold sheds and we needed to find uh we asked in the company which of us most needed a shed and um ben ben didn't need a shed but he was the i guess he was the person who was least reluctant to to buy one and set one up so so he uh so yeah he ordered it he had it delivered he assembled it and and in doing so one thing that he discovered was that the, all of the parts of the shed that were delivered on the front lawn he said that the panels were too large to fit through the house which he had to and it damaged the it damaged the walls on the way through the house. So we reported back to the client. They actually redesigned their sheds, and so now all of their shed panels are small enough so that they'll fit through a normal house doorway. And if you think of the improvement in customer satisfaction and in net promoter score that from making that what seems like quite an obscure change, it'll be huge. And all of these little things, as you're using the product, you learn different aspects that might have you were unaware of until you were actually the customer. The next thing you need to do is find out you know, on the page that you're improving, have an on-page survey asking questions. In particular, ask why. Here's one from one of our pages. It's from our um, it's from our learning zone page where we ask, "Did you decide to download our PDFs? Please let us know why or why not." You can be brutally honest. We love feedback. So it almost feels like cheating, doesn't it, where, where where you can just ask, you're effectively saying, how can we improve this page? Or why did you, you know, why, tell, let us know why you won't take action. And w with so many of the pages on our site and on our client site, we have these 
surveys. We don't run them forever. We run them only for the uh, for the time it takes to gather the information we need. And then you can iteratively improve the page and keep, you know, when you see an objection coming up several times, fix that objection. And this survey tool is called Qualaroo, Q-U-A-L-A-R-O-O. And we find it really useful for finding out specifically why customers aren't taking action, visitors aren't taking action. The next thing to consider is the mental shopping list. The mental shopping list you need to have a list, and this is just a this is just a basic one. There'll be lots of more detailed ones for each product or each site that you're working on. But the mental shopping list is a list of all of the things that a prospect needs to think by the time they take action. So here, for example, they need to think this site looks relevant and it'll satisfy my visitor intention. They need to think I believe that this is the best site of its type, so I won't be considering the competitors, which include doing nothing and ordering offline. I can easily find what I'm looking for. I can understand which product is best for me because the site makes clear recommendations. I believe that this type of product is what I need. I believe that this particular product is what I need. I believe the claims that the site's making about the companies and about the products because they're supported with proof. All of my miscellaneous product-specific objections have been overcome, and you can write those all out. And I found the whole experience pleasurable, and I'd happily do it again. And what you'll find is that each each site has a different bottlenecks. It has different questions that aren't being answered at the moment. So you need to create this list because you need to actually identify which stages, which parts, which aspects of the site, the customers, the visitors are getting stuck on. Which of these questions aren't you answering at the moment? It's really important that. So you, you, you don't start writing until you, one, know everything about the product, Two, how, until you've bought and used the product with your own money. Three, till you can understand why people buy it. Four, so you could sell it to yourself or your friends. Because don't forget, if you if you couldn't sell it to yourself, then you don't stand a chance of selling it to other people. Five, know all the objections and have great counter objections for them. And six, till you've gathered proof to support all of your claims. And I say they're your legal dossier. If you imagine that you're having you're, you're gathering proof you're gathering like a legal dossier to prove that the the, the product and the website is the best that's a good way to think of it it's not marketing you know this idea that you can just come up with loads of marketing buzzwords and that it'll work it doesn't it's not what converts visitors are converted but on proof so that's the preparation and can you see when i said like you need to sell it face to face we're not saying that you need to become like a sleazy salesperson that's exactly not what it's about it's about understanding all of the things that you'd need to say in order to persuade someone it, all the things that the visitor needs to know before they can take action and those things all all those facts exist somewhere out in the world and you need to get out and learn them so that's the first step of the two aspects of copywriting. The second one is writing it down. Now, one thing to consider here is that most people prefer one of the two steps. There aren't many people who are comfortable with both of them. People who love selling, who, people who love step one are often not particularly you know, shy away from writing. Similarly, people who enjoy writing often aren't, you know, often are uncomfortable with all the selling part. And I think one of the secrets of becoming a great copywriter is whichever one of these two steps you're not comfortable with, you know, push yourself out of your comfort zone and, and 
you know, if you can have the self-discipline to actually do whichever step you find least comfortable and to, to grow in that area, then you can become what's quite a rare breed. There really aren't enough good copywriters around. Here's a packet of ham that I bought from Tesco a few months ago. And uh, and if you look at there on the, the, the sales copy, pretty much the only sales copy on the whole packet is that just just a suggestion, it says. And if you imagine it, if, if you went into a supermarket and it had a deli counter and there was a there was a person there who was serving up the ham and you ordered some and they gave they gave you a packet of ham, then. Could you imagine the situation where they, you know, the, imagine you you said, oh, thank you very much. And you're about to walk away. And uh, the person says, uh, yeah, hang on, just just a suggestion. And you, and you say, yeah, yeah. What's that? And they say, well, you could um, you, you, you could make a sandwich out of that. You'd say, yes, I know that. Uh, is that is that all? And they say, well, maybe you'd maybe you'd want to leave the uh, maybe you'd not want to unfold the ham properly. Or maybe add a bit of lettuce. It, but yeah, I knew that it wouldn't happen, would it? It wouldn't. A real person would never say that in real life. They would never. They would never. They'd never stop you and say just a suggestion. But for some weird reason, the act of writing turns many a genius into a moron. There's, you know, I think there's something to do with the way people are taught to write at school. There's a disconnect. So someone who'd never dream of saying just a suggestion when they were selling ham face to face would be really happy to write it on a on a packet and not to realize what a strange thing that is to say and so so part of i say one of the big things about learning to be a good copywriter is to is to write like a human is to write is to write in the same way that you would actually say you know to write in the same way that you'd actually speak to someone in real life and it's hard because at school, a lot of how you're taught to write involves the opposite. It involves writing in a, way, in a way that you would never normally speak. And you have to unlearn a lot of skills and, uh, and, and write down in the same way that you'd speak to a real person. Now, how do you do this? Now, an easy way to do it is just to actually record yourself, just to get a, a recorder and to record yourself speaking saying whatever it is you would say if you were face to face with someone imagine someone walked through the door and said uh you know i've just searched google for these keywords uh over to you what what would you say to me and and to actually speak out what you would say to a real person who was maybe calling in and then to get that transcribed and to analyze you know exactly what it is maybe tidy it up but to make sure that all of the things you would say in real life are the things that you're saying on your site. It's amazing how many people have sites where, you know, we often test it on, a, on, on someone where you say, look, I'm going to pretend to be a visitor and you have to read, you have to sell to me, but you're only allowed to sell by saying the words on your site. And, and most people are actually embarrassed to say the words on their site to a real person because that's the point they realize, this disconnect that they would never use those words in, in real life. Now, People often say, how many words, you know, how long should a page be with 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 copy? You know, do people read these days? How how many words should should we be using on a page? How long should it be? And so the what we say is you need to use at least as many words as you'd use when selling face to face. Now, for some products like this guy here selling his watermelons underneath the underneath the motorway flyover, then the 
the, the answer's probably not very many at all. But if you're selling, for example, a CRM system, and you wouldn't dream of selling it face to face without at least three visits to the client's uh, client's building and to uh, to maybe have three one hour sessions, then that's a lot of words. And so your page needs to contain at least as many words as that. Now, in many cases, that means that your page will be much longer than you're comfortable with. But if you look at you know examples of sites that pages that really do convert and companies that do carry out split testing, here's Amazon's page for for the Kindle. If you printed that page out, it would be 19 foot tall. That's over three Hasselhoffs tall, and uh, and and the reason for that is because you know I said just now that you need to use as many words as you would in real life. Actually, you have to use more because in real life you can adjust what you say to you know based on the person's questions. Now, on a site, you actually have to anticipate all the possible common questions and address them. So, you know, people. So, so typically, you'll need at least that many, maybe more words. Now, that doesn't mean that you that would. I'm not recommending that you waffle. Quite the opposite. You need to be as concise as possible, like really, really as concise as possible. But when you follow this process, even then, you'll still find that your pages tend to be have to be long because there's a lot of most things require a lot of words to sell them. Next is how to learn grammar and how to learn the mechanics of writing in style, as they call it. Uh, here are three great resources. The, the left-hand one is a very short book um, called The Elements of Style by Strunk and White. And it's controversial. Some of, Quite a lot of the things in there are controversial these days. But in particular, the second half of the book is a great description of what good writing is. It's, it's very useful. The whole book's very useful. Um, the middle one is uh, designsensory.com slash PWS is a great guide to some um, to some very mechanical things that you can do to to create better sentences. You know, um, the next one is the plain English campaign, which has some great guides on how to write in plain English. And to some extent, what the plain English campaign art, uh, PDFs do is they give you permission to say things it, to kind of, it, it gives you permission to unpick lots of the things that you learned at school in, in in English classes. Next, when you're writing, make sure that whatever you write, you get one person, to, hopefully someone who can actually read, to read out loud to you. You need to have someone who can read the whole thing. And what you need to listen for as, as they're speaking, you need to listen for where do they get confused? Where do they pause? Where do they hesitate? Where do they actually read something wrongly? And that's really valuable. Um, we do it for everything we ever write. We have at least one person doing that. Every single blog post gets read by out loud by at least one person because it's so valuable. You might think, well, do I really have time for this? If you've got, you know, if your page is important enough that maybe 10,000 people are going to see it, maybe 100,000 people are going to see it, then the answer is, you know, can you really argue that you don't have time for to listen to one person reading it out loud? It's really valuable. Now, next, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to go through a template for a highly converting landing page. Obviously, there are a whole load of different ways that you can structure a sales page. So what I'm giving is a very, very versatile, very robust um, format, which will work with, every, with anything. Uh, obviously, you'll get to the point if and when you become great at copywriting that you'll, you'll want to start trying different approaches. But this is, a, this is the most robust template that we can think of. 
So the first thing that you'll have at the top of the page there is you need a headline that makes them want to read more. Um, some people say a headline needs to contain the three major benefits. Uh, there are lots of diff there are certainly over a hundred different formulae for what makes a good headline, different types of headline depending on the situation. But the main rule is just that the headline needs to make them want to read more. Next, open with a sentence that makes them say, that's me. If you're selling CRM software, then it's not a bad idea to, at some point within the first sentence, to say, you know, are you selling, you know, are you looking for CRM software? So people think, oh, I'm on the right place here. Yes, this is exactly what I'm looking for. Use the inverted pyramid principle. And what that means is uh, in newspaper writing, it's, it's where you start off where each sentence covers, you know, the first sentence covers the whole, you know, everything you're going to talk about. And then the next, and then gradually you start to go more and more granular as you go down. But 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 you don't want to go granular too soon. You want to be starting off wide and then getting narrower. Next, use bullet points with the main benefits and a clear next step. So it's a good idea to open up your page with bullet points of the main benefits. Then make sure that the graphical appearance of the page matches the site and connects to the target audience. Some people say, well, you know, what graphics, what what graphics convert best? And there's no one graphical template that works best. It's all about social signaling. You want to think, well, what kind of site would the visitors like this to be? What kind of site would most reassure them and then to look like that type of site? Then it's a good idea to have what we call a Johnson box saying what you'll get on the page. The word Johnson box is a word from direct direct mail where at the top of a direct mail letter it would have a, like a table of contents but a table of contents that's fascinating and that links to different sections we find it works really well on websites where you have like that one before below you can see three irresistible fascinating links to each section so people can jump to the part that interests them the most a johnson box effectively is a type of navigation and some people now do it as a top navigation bar where when you click, it scrolls down the page for you. But we find it to be really a nice, straightforward way of creating a long page, but also one that's navigatable. Here's an example. Here's our, actually our careers page. And you can see there we've labeled what the things, what the head the sections are. It starts at the top with a self-interest headline that gets the right people interested. The graphical appearance that matches the site. The Johnson box you can see there, which is you know, uh, all, all the bullet points for the different sections, but in a way that people can skip to what they want. And then uh, here you can see very early on, we've included bullet, bullet points with the main benefits. Next, you've got their attention, but you still need to make every single word count. So use subheads to announce and sell each section. Have sections that, that, that tick off each item in the prospect's mental shopping list. You know, before I said you need to create that big list of all the things the person needs to think. Now is the time in your body copy to make sure that the each, you know, each each section, every single one of those things needs to be checked off. Support all your claims with evidence. And font size is important. It should be like climbing into a jacuzzi of text. Start large and then gradually step down the font size. Don't go from a large headline straight into small body copy. It's much better to to make, you know, to to step it down in terms of headline size. And again, back on that page that I mentioned before, you can see there we've got the subheads, each of which address a different aspect that we want to check off in the prospect mental shopping list. And there you can see that an example of us supporting the claims with evidence. We always wanted to have a section on how you'll be happy working for us, 
but it was only once we got the uh, the actual data to to prove that that consultants at CRE are happy that we we included this section. You know, saying you'll be happy working here is nothing unless you've got proof. And so so there's there's the proof based on the um the survey data that we capture uh, compared to um, the industry average. And then the final part of your page is getting them to take action. Really, really important the, um, that you get the call to action right, because that's the point at which you actually you're getting them to do something. That's the point at which they have to make a decision. So here's what your offer and call to action should do. It needs to, one, summarize the benefits. And the reason for that is because don't forget, some people will have skimmed around the page or even just scrolled straight to the bottom. So by summarizing the benefits, you make sure that they, you know, they at least see they're reminded of what they're getting. Then you present the offer and then you justify the price to make them to make them realize that what you're offering is worth more than the than what you're asking for. And what you're asking for might be money, but it also might be just, for example, an email, you know, them to submit their email address or whatever, a lead gen. Two easy ways to make them act right now. One is risk reduction strategies. We could talk for at least an hour about risk reduction strategies, but there are loads of different ways, but you need to keep that in mind. You need to, just below the call to action, you need to find ways of, that's the point at which you have to explain why, you know, why this isn't a big risk and find ways of making it less risk for them. Two, incentive for prompt action. You need to look in your company for reasons for urgency. Why, why should they take action urgently? What's the scarcity? And then be sure to mention it at that point. That's the point at which people are hovering, wondering whether to go away or, or do something now. So that's the end of the template. People often ask us, what are the most important things? OK, you know what? What are the top things I should test on my site? I've got my split testing software. What should I do first? Now, it's a hard question to answer because it depends on your own situation. But here are five of what we think the most important things, the things that tend to get wins. First, the angle. And I'll explain that in a moment. Second, the things that get looked at first. Third, the offer and calls to action. Fourth, whatever are the weakest aspects of your current site. And fifth, the proof. So I'll go through those in turn. Firstly, here's a good example of what I mean by angle. Imagine that you're writing a page selling fertilizer to homeowners. Now, here's what the, the legendary copywriter Robert Collier wrote as an opening of a sales letter. He wrote, he wrote, with your permission, I'm going to make an analysis of the soil of your lawn to determine at my own risk and expense what elements are lacking in it, what you need for stronger, healthier, more closely grown turf. Now, can you see how what he's written there is not about words? It's not about the wording. It's not about special magical words. It's the fact that what he's saying is very different. He's not saying my fertilizer has the following three benefits. He's actually saying, free of charge, I'm going to carry out an analysis of your soil and tell you some interesting facts about it and diagnose what's, you know, what you need. Now, that's a whole different angle of selling. And that's what you need. to. That's what we mean by angle. It's if you think if I was selling this face to face and the person slammed the door on me the first time around and wasn't interested and I walked around if I was selling it door to door and I, I walked around, and I thought, OK, I'm going to try once more. I'm going to knock on the door and enter the conversation with a different way, a different angle, a different way of opening the conversation. That's what we mean by angle. It's a different approach into the conversation. It might be that you start talking about the guarantee. It might be that you open with proof. It might be that you open by talking about the offer and how there's a limited risk. It might be that you open by educating them, but it's, it's opening with a completely different, where you're saying something completely differently. Number two was whatever people look at first. Now, eye tracking shows you exactly what your visitors are looking at, but 
in the absence of having eye tracking data, at the very least, focus on above the fold, the top of the page, because that's what people look at first. And in particular, headlines, because headlines and images tend to be what people look at first. So focus on those. The next one is the offers and call to action. So what do I mean by that? You, you can change what you're actually offering in several different ways. The, the first one is you can look at the long-term strategy for pricing. Now, yes, you want to make as much money as possible, presumably, whatever, whatever the goal of your company is. But think long-term. Think of how we're going to, you know, Amazon, for example, they, you know, their, their idea is to, is to keep customers for life. So, so think of your long-term strategy, not just, not just winning this first split test that you come across, but also winning offers. Common winning offers are make the initial purchase a no-brainer, for example, or make the headline offer irresistibly appealing. That's a, consider stripping down the features of your service, then charging for extras. That works very often. If you can't make it free, make it seem cheaper by um, by maybe you know, there are lots of ways by by starting with a lower commitment, for example, or or even just by having monthly continuity, which works so often. The upsell and cross sell. Think of other things that your visitors will buy or want to buy or will be buying at the same time, and make sure that you do that. Add premiums and incentives so you could give away a free report with which doesn't cost you any more once the report's written. Or bundle, think of ways of bundling or unbundling other products or other services. So, but either way, you know, always look at without having to change what your product is, there are lots of different ways that you can package it up that would make it seem more appealing to the prospect. Now, the next one is finding out what the weakest parts of your site are. Now, I won't go into detail with that now because there are so many different techniques to it. I've just showed here um, on our site, there's a learning zone. We have some reports and some articles that help you to find out exactly, you know, to, to find out, not guess what the weakest parts of your site are. Proof. Here are just three examples of effective proof, but there are loads of ways of of bolstering the proof to to uh, of your claims. Social proof. So finding out what customers are um, actually, you know, showing examples of happy, successful customers. For example, that you're growing quickly, or that uh, you know, any anything that shows that you've got that that things are other people in those situations are are of making the same decision that you want your prospects to make. Testimonials can be from customers, but particularly those who are famous, for example, celebrities or have authority. Uh, one amusing example is in the UK, um, in, on Weetabix breakfast cereal, it's actually endorsed by the Queen. There's the Queen's stamp of, all, of approval saying that the Queen thinks this is good breakfast cereal. Now that's a great you know, proof element. From the media, any testimonials from the media, online and offline, can you know people are influenced by experts, and also any signs of credibility. If you can look at what are you you know what credibility does your company have, what proof are you have in that respect? Now, a good thing you can do right now is on your computer computer create a new folder and call it proof, because once you you know it takes you about one second to do it, and from then on, whenever you see a good press clipping or a customer says something nice about you or whatever, file it in that folder and it comes in really useful when you actually come to create a page because you can pull all of that proof out and it's in one place. Most companies, when you start, when we start asking them for the proof, they're like, oh, hang on a minute. Yes, we were in the paper, but we can't really find a copy of that. And, and they don't have like an organized system of, of gathering and, and being able to get their hands on that information. It might be that you're in a situation now where you're 
thinking, well, you know, I'd, do I want to learn copywriting or do I want to outsource or delegate it? Here are some tips for how to recruit copywriters. It's really, it's really difficult. But here's what you need to look for. Firstly, someone with a track record of getting wins. That's that's it. If this is the Olympics of writing, don't trust it to someone who's never run a race. So that's the first thing. But by far the most important is find someone who's got a track record of getting wins. Just because they've got copywriter on their business card doesn't mean that they've ever had a win. Next, ensure that once you've employed them, ensure that each change is split tested. So so uh, that's, you know, again, why if, if someone writes copy and they're trying to increase sales, why would they not want to split test their version against the control to learn if they actually did do it? We do it with every single one of our clients. We, we insist on split testing everything we create because we want to know the, the truth. And every good copywriter should want to know the truth. Ensure the person follows this process that I've just discovered, uh, just explained. Um, you know, we need to en ensure that they're following the process of actually learn the two steps, learning how to sell the product. And then secondly, you know, putting the detail and the craftsmanship into writing it down. And finally, when you're uh, actually recruiting someone, the two things you need to look for is someone who can sell and someone who can write. How do you know if they can sell? I think a good question is, would you buy from them? You know, are they the type of person that you'd actually buy from? So not, they don't need to come across as a sleazy salesperson. It's more like, would you actually, you know, would you want to buy from them? Are they thoughtful and methodical about how they explain things? And secondly, can they write? How do you know if they can write? Well, I think the best way is, is can you understand what they write? Get them to, under, you know, read their writing. Do you enjoy reading their writing? If, you, if you're getting bored reading their application form, don't feel guilty throwing it straight in the bin because, because if they can't keep your attention in an application form, then they won't be able to keep visitors' attention. It's really important that, and it's surprising. Some of our best copywriters within our company, when, when they applied to us, their, their application form was really... There was one of them where we were... Where we actually had tears stream, well, I had tears streaming down my face reading the application form because it was really hilariously funny, and that's a good thing. Whatever you do, you know, whether you outsource this or do it yourself, make sure it happens. Make sure you're actually doing this stuff because it's really, really important, and you'll definitely have. It's we know of no better way of growing a company. Okay, that's all from me. So have a great day. Many of the things I mentioned in the talk can be found in much more detail on our website, conversionrateexperts.com. Uh, we have free reports you can download, you can subscribe to our newsletter, you can read our articles, and there are also many tips and tools you can use for free to increase your website's profits. Now, if you listen to this podcast as a one-off, you might, i.e. should, like to subscribe to it and hear more of our talks and seminars. Uh, you can learn how to subscribe to the podcast at conversionrateexperts.com slash podcasts.